Ari Rosebaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about when 401k plan sponsors might think that there's a problem with their plan because it's kind of obvious. But uh, of course, first things first, uh, go to that 401k site.com. We've got a national virtual conference at the end of January. Get the emails, sign up for free. If not, you can pay, certainly pay $2.24 to be part of it on that 401k site.com website. And of course, uh, Texas, uh, we will be there on May the 3rd. We'll try to get it a game in on May the 2nd. And then in New York, uh, five weeks later, June the 7th, we will be in the Bronx, New York, Yankee Stadium for a live event. So again, go to that 4 for further information on all our live events. Um, and as far as the topic at hand, there are a lot of situations in life when you clearly have a problem. Uh, you know, next door neighbor leases the house to a rock band looking for a place to practice, uh, you know, leaving the stove on, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, for me, it's living next door to neighbors who have no understanding that there are other people around them when it comes to partying and parking the cars in the streets and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to sponsoring a 401k plan, there's obviously a lot of times where it's just kind of obvious that, you know, plan sponsors really do have a problem. First things first, they have a plan provider that's on TV. It's not for an interview or commercial. You know, our friends at Empower or Fidelity or Creative Planning these days, you know, they got advertise and they can afford it. Big plan providers. But if you have a plan provider who's on there and it's uh, for something other than an interview or a commercial, it's bad, and you know, uh, in this day and age, you know, with the internet, word travels fast. So we live in a post-Bernie Madoff world where it's no longer a shock to see fiduciaries, TPAs, attorneys, or accountants be charged with defrauding plan sponsors and participants. It happens. Um, you know, used to be back in the day, you know, wouldn't hear about it, or you only, would, you know, find out about it, you know, later down the line. I remember years ago, I. I was doing a real estate closing for a buddy of mine, and the opposing attorneys, I thought, was somebody really, really good. And then, of course, a couple of years later, you realize they got disbarred for stealing money from a client. Um, there are a lot of times where, again, um, you know, I've been 25 years in this business. I know two people that I, I didn't know them well, but I knew enough uh, to have conversations with them. They're, you know, both of them, well, I think one of them is in a halfway house, and I'll be getting out of prison eventually, and there's one sitting in prison. Um, it's, you know, obviously, uh, it's a bad thing. And obviously you have uh, trouble with your plan if your plan provider is in the book. Um, or, you know, again, on the news for, you know, operating a Ponzi scheme. And I will always say that Bernie made off of Ponzi schemes for everybody. But you see it, uh, you know, here in New York, uh, a big Long Island law firm where, you know, they had a lottery attorney. And it turns out that the lottery attorney was running some some kind of scheme with uh, guys in the mob with financial advisory work and all this kind of stuff and basically creating a Ponzi scheme for these, you know, clients that uh, had, had won um, the lottery in New York. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that made the news. Law firm fired him. I believe he was convicted. Actually, should look into it and see... Uh, what his sentence was, but you know, again, I've known people go to jail uh, for stealing money. 
Um, and obviously, playing fiduciary, stealing money, that's a problem. We just had now, uh, I believe it's United Airlines, where they have these advisors associated with self-directed brokerage accounts. And United suing them because they were saying that these uh, advisors were running a scheme where they were taking advantage of participants in the plan, taking out loans, and then trying to claim that the trying to claim the loans were expenses. It was some some type of scheme that just completely unraveled. Obviously, if you're a plan sponsor and your plan provider is on the news for stealing money. We're making headway on 401k help center for being sued uh, for running a scheme or whatnot. Uh, you know, it's a problem for you. You're going to be on the hook uh, as a plan fiduciary. You're you know, still responsible for the work or lack thereof for plan providers. Uh, you know, obviously, participating employers who adopted a plan that, you know, Matt Hutchinson stole from, um, they were, you know, trying to sue people left and right. Trying to sue providers left and right to hold people accountable because Matt Hutchinson clearly had spent his money or whatever he did with it and locate millions and millions of dollars. Another sign that you know a plan sponsor might have a problem with their 401k plan is that they haven't reviewed their plan providers. Even if they're not under indictment or investigation, it's important for plan sponsors to review what their TPAs are doing. Uh, you know, I had a client. I've told the story a million times. They were sued by the Department of Labor because the actuary uh, never provided valuation reports, gave poor advice, and the Department of Labor thought that this you know, company was embezzling money from their defined benefit plan. Um, and, of course, I've told the story a million times. I told the woman to settle. She had uh, litigation counsel that she'd used in the past. They weren't interested in, they weren't interested in my advice. I was pushed to the side. Um Two years later, or whatever it was, uh, there was a case, um, and, uh, you know, uh, there was clearly a problem um, with what was going on, because, um, you know, in that situation, uh, she paid, you know, two years of, two to three years of litigation costs, and I believe in the uh, information that I saw, she ended up paying the $3 million to the Department of Labor anyway. Who knows how much those litigating attorneys made. Um, obviously, a sign that a plan's a problem, there's no financial advisor in the plan. Um, it's important that there is a financial advisor in the plan. Uh, participant directed investments, a plan sponsor wants to be held, uh, you know, have some liability protection for losses sustained by plan participants, and to really be effective with an ERISA 404C plan, you have to provide enough information to your participants uh, in order not to uh, be responsible for their losses. And if you don't have an advisor on the plan, you haven't reviewed the funds in a million years, uh, that's a problem. And it's a problem when plan sponsors forget that they have an advisor, they have an advisor that they never see. Uh, there are advisors still out there, not as popular as they were 10 years ago. I call them milk carton advisors, people who have been missing from the plan that they work on, that they should be on a milk carton. But unfortunately, unlike missing kids, these advisors were collecting a quarterly fee. And I've always told the story of this uh, medical practice where uh, they had an advisor charging 60 basis points in the plan, never bothered to meet with the client, never provided participant 
education, and that's a problem. Uh, you need an advisor out there who's going to meet semi-annually and whatnot, and uh, hire, you know, it's important to hire a good financial advisor who will, uh, you know, help out drafting the investment policy statement, and again, selecting and replacing the funds based on the IPS. And, uh, you know, while, uh, you know, again, uh, it's important that the advisor do something for it. Uh, financial advisor, again, a milk carton advisor who's getting paid and doing nothing is, in some ways, worse than not having an advisor, in my opinion. Because, you know, when you're not having an advisor, you're not paying anybody. But when you're having an advisor who's not doing the work, you're paying somebody to do absolutely nothing. That's a problem. Uh, next, you know, a problem for plan sponsors is they haven't reviewed their plan expenses for years. Uh, listen, um, you know, I've been in the situations where I've been in a comfortable spot and I just, you know, didn't want to get up. Probably explains my last two years of college. I used to sit and work downstairs in the uh, basement of the union, whether it was sitting and talking to friends or working at the Stony Brook Statesman newspaper. You get comfortable. The ADHD, the senioritis takes over, and you just don't want to move and do anything. Um, you know, uh, I've seen too many people over time make mistakes in their career because they got too comfortable in a space and just didn't want to move. Um, I never had that problem. I just kept on moving a lot to the point where it's just like I, I realized I could no longer work for somebody and I was better off uh, on my own. Um, there are obviously a lot of plan sponsors that have too much of a comfort level with their um, plan providers to the point where they just don't want to bother reviewing the work that they do or more importantly, you know, reviewing the expenses. Uh, you know, uh, pricing for daily value, you know, pricing for daily value 401k plans have been really more competitive the last 15 years. So what your advisor or TPA or whatever was charging you 15 years ago is probably too much today as percentage of plan assets. Years ago, I remember there was a mattress company that, you know, went out of business. And before they went out of business, I looked at the plan. They were with an insurance company. The contract expired about seven or eight years before. They were paying about, you know, 267 bips on their plan when they could have paid a fraction of it. And, you know, years later, if they were still in, in business, they'd probably pay just a fraction of it. Uh, you know, 267 basis points on a $4 million plan is a lot of money. Uh, you know, again, uh, with fee disclosures, you know, there's there's a mission for plan sponsors that they have to accept, and that's to actually review plan expenses and see whether it's still um, reasonable for the services provider in this day and age. What was good in you know, 2003 isn't necessarily good in 2023. Again, over time, fee disclosure has really, you know, created transparency and technological improvements have really created a more... Um, competitive fee environment, so you see a lot of fee compression over time, and so therefore it's important for a plan sponsor to say, you know what, let me look at the funds, and let me look at the investments and see where I'm at. Um, and it, it's important, and if they don't check the plan expenses, they can obviously have a problem. And again, uh, previous uh, plans participants are getting investment education and or investment advice. You know, um, I always talk about business history, and uh, 
I, I love talking about flops. Uh, it goes back to the point where I remember 25 years ago, uh, starting out uh, as an attorney, I loved this website selling books called Amazon.com, and there was a book called When Giants Stumble. When big companies come out with, you know, really terrible ideas. And um, I'm always a big fan of like, business misfires here and there. And, uh, you know, a big flop was the Arch Deluxe sandwich by McDonald's. That was a terrible, terrible flop. Uh, Keurig came out with a soda machine with uh, Coke's involvement because Coke, Coca-Cola bought a piece of them and, I remember when it came out, I'm like, this is the worst idea ever because it was just producing an eight-ounce soda when somebody like me who uses SodaStream and now SodaStream is owned by Pepsi, you know, you could make a liter each time as opposed to a work-related, uh, you know, soda machine that only produces eight-ounce sodas, especially for somebody like me who will drink a liter at a time. Um... Another bad idea over time, I always like talking about business flops. Best Buy was a really great uh, retailer. Still is, in my opinion. It's the only one really left. And uh, Tandy, uh, who owned Radio Shack, came up with uh, their you know killer, solution killer to Best Buy, which is called Incredible Universe, which was a store that was like three times the size of a Best Buy. And it was crazy because it was huge stores they would have like concerts in the middle of the store. There'd be a McDonald's in the store, and it just was a complete and utter failure. Uh, to the point, I remember Westbury, the Westbury location, was taken over by Target. That's how big uh, these incredible universes were, and that you know was probably one of the signs that Tandy was in trouble. But you know, again, incredible universe. That was a great idea on paper. McLean, uh, Arch Deluxe about the McLean Deluxe, that was the dive burger, but Arch Deluxe looked like a great idea at the time. You got a, a tasty burger geared towards adults. We want to open it up and, and attract more adult traffic, whatever. It looks great on paper, but in execution, it was a complete and utter flop. Sometimes you feel that way. Sometimes I do feel that way about participant direct investments. Again, on paper, it looks like a fantastic idea. Mutual fund companies loved it because it you know, pushed mutual funds as, as the, the go-to investment. And, uh, you know, in actuality, uh, the problem was is that uh, plant sponsors didn't really do much to help participants out. And like I said before, if you want a risk of 404C protection, you're going to have to provide investment education to plant participants. Um, you know, I always talk about that law firm that, uh, again, you know, 10 years, didn't update funds, gave me a bunch of Morningstar profiles and said, all right, good luck. You know, Ari can read a Morningstar profile. Ari knows a thing or two about funds. Ari loves index funds. Ari's going to be okay, but 95% of your participants aren't uh, as sophisticated as Ari was when it came to 401k plans. But, you know, again, you can't, you know, just give them a whole bunch of Morningstar profiles and prospectuses. You know, uh, that was great for securities law, reg you know, regulation class. Um, you know, it's, it's really important for plan sponsors to understand that they get to provide investment education to plan participants. Um, you know, the Department of Labor has obviously made it over the last 10 years, made it easier to provide invest specific investment advice. Uh, I suggest plan sponsors, you know, suggest, you know, probably go for it. I, I, I think it's a great idea.
And uh, uh, obviously, participants who get investment education do better than those who don't. Participants who get investment advice do better than those who get just general investment education. Next on the hit list, um, they haven't reviewed their plan's terms. Uh, this happens a lot uh, where they think their plan design is one way and the plan document says another. Usually, uh, you know, involves compensation uh, problems. Uh, they don't think bonuses should be included, but the plan document says they should, and there may be correct contributions that have to be made. Uh, I, just, I had a screw-up on a DOL matter where the CPA you know, allowed um, the owner of a company to take out a, a COVID loan from the SECURE Act, uh, I mean, on the CARES Act, um, and the um, problem was the plan didn't have the provision, and plan was under Department of Labor audit. That was a lot of fun. So, you know, there are too many plan errors out there. Uh, it's because the plan sponsor and the CPA think it's done one way, the plan document says another. Um, people always, you know, ask me, why, why do these errors happen? That's because of sloppiness, usually sloppiness uh, on the part of the plan, uh, the plan's TPA. They draft the plan document, don't tell them there's this big screw up. Uh, I mean, that's how I see it. Um, obviously, uh, you know, people will disagree with me, but I mean, recently, um, again, there was a, a problem with the definition of compensation, and uh, the problem that I saw, uh, the auditor didn't catch the problem, and uh, that uh, got the plan sponsor a little upset um, as to why the auditor didn't pick up on the problem when the problem was about, you know, Four or five years in the you know in the making, where the plan document was specifically excluding, uh, including bonuses uh, and commissions, and when the plan sponsor was not allowing deferrals and employer contributions based on these parts of compensation. So uh, it's important and it's incumbent on a plan sponsor to operate its term its plan on its terms. Plan document controls. Uh, the uh, idea that you can claim Scrivener's error and this, this, and that, uh, that's not actuality. Uh, you know, that's a problem. And so, therefore, uh, I think it's incumbent on, uh, you know, to um, see with um, the situation uh, with, um, you know, the way I see it, it's important that a plan sponsor understands that the plan document controls and the plan document plan administration has to be consistent. Uh, last but not least, you know, uh, a plan sponsor not falling through on the small stuff. I mean, you know, there could be situations, small things that turn into bigger things, not handing out some of the plan descriptions, not handing out ERISA notices, um, not remitting salary deferral contributions on time. Uh, there's so many different ways, just these little things get involved and they become big, big, big issues. So I think it's important uh, that, you know, plan sponsors get on top of these things and avoid um, a bigger mistake uh, down the line, these small errors. And again, with the late deposit salary deferrals, that's the number one error that I see in 401k plans these days. And the problem with it, plan sponsors don't do it just once. They do it multiple times, and, you know, it's a question on the 5,500, and the last thing you want to do is get a 
audit or correspondence for the Department of Labor. I don't enjoy these things. Yeah, I make money with it. But I'd rather have a plan sponsor work uh, well and have no issues. That's how I see it. But uh, that's just me. Uh, well, anyway, that concludes this episode of that 401k podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. Take care. Bye.